discuss all things Star Wars on, you guessed it, a Monday. We explore the stories, themes, characters, and have a lot of fun along the way. And this week in particular, we're having especially <laughs> a lot of fun uh, as we are doing this recording in a hotel in London as we are, as of recording, one day before the start of Star Wars Celebration 2023. Uh, you listeners will be hearing this after <laughs> Celebration is done, so it's kind of a weird how time works and Time travel and things. They'll know all the announcements before know, we exactly. do. This yeah. is like a message You're going to be listening to this with our ignorant minds going into signal, uh, celebration. Oh, isn't that so? Everything we say might be contradicted somehow by Lucasfilm. If we have any theories, they might just outright come and say, and then we'll look the like Monday Lorians were wrong. Yeah, don't I listen. Know. Don't listen That's to That's my those. greatest fear. <laughs> Kennedy can't get one over <laughs> on us, Jake. Yeah, so um, also I'd just say, because we are recording in a hotel room, if we sound different or whatever, that's why. Because <laughs> we're relaxed, we're on holiday. We're relaxed, on holiday. Uh, well, you say I'm relaxed, I'm still. Oh, yeah. It's kind of stressing about how well, everything's going to go. Well, because you've got like a a professional assassin like list of targets you want to achieve, of like figures you want to collect. Yes, yes. So you put a lot of pressure on yourself, Jake. Yes, well, I, I w it's not so much the pressure of... I've got to find this action mm. figure. It's more like, I would love to find this action figure. And part of the fun is the hunt itself. Oh, yeah. You're like yeah. a very passive Indiana Jones. It's like, I'd like to find treasure. But if I don't, it, yeah, yeah. it's another day. It's fine. It's fine. It belongs in a museum. <laughs> yeah, some of those. I did see like s what some of those early Kenner figures would go for at a celebration. And mm. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> so is there like an uh, independent markets in there? Yeah. Yeah. There'll be a so whole uh, exhibitor. Sort of uh, section oh, right. full of independent, uh, I would hope, I imagine mainly uh, British yeah. independent toy sellers and stuff. And it's interesting. Artists and yeah. comic book artists and all sorts of things, yeah. I love talking to like you or, ooh, I love talking to like you or Rob about con stuff because I've got no frame of reference for them. Is this your first con? This is my first like big convention. Yeah, I think it's, it's Dave's as well. Yeah. I went to one, there was one in Galway, but it was so small, it was called Akuma Con. In like the old university, hmm. it was the only con I went to, and all the anime outfits like really intimidated me. And then a man just like kicked my ass at Smash Brothers in a tournament. I was like, I'm going. I hate cons now. <laughs> so this is my first con since that. Well, hopefully day. you won't get like beat up by a Mando or something <laughs> on well. the shop floor. <laughs> That's a story though, isn't it? Getting kicked out of Star Wars Celebration <laughs> for brawling. <laughs> Imagine, like, uh, who got kicked out? Oh, so Max Rebo got in a fight with a, a Biff. <laughs> <laughs> we get our podcast famous. We could be, like, infamous. The bad boys of the Star Wars. The bad boys. Not the bad yeah. bats. Not the, the bad, bad boys. Just some bad boys. With a Z. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's a bit interesting. Going to be recording our discussion of chapter 22 of The Mandalorian, uh, which is titled Guns for Hire. Uh, mm. And I was actually kind of thinking back, is this the first title that hasn't had the... At yeah. the front of it, <laughs> you know. Because they could have just said the mercenaries unless that's been done. 
kept the theme going. You know, I think that's a better title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or The Mercenary, you know? Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll tell them tomorrow when we're mingling with all the Star Wars yeah, royalty. Yeah. Well hey, we, Filoni. We, Filoni. Favreau. <laughs> come on, come here, boys. Come, come here, on. Come we got we, notes. We got some. We got some notes. <laughs> and that's the fight that gets us kicked out. <laughs> security. Get uh, these guys. <laughs> Being escorted away by Bespin security or something. Oh, that'd be good. <laughs> there were those weird dome helmets. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, we're here talking uh, Mando. Um, this is this episode in particular is directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, so it's nice to see her return to the Star Wars fold, and once again written by Johnny Favs himself. Um, this is, you know, I almost feel it's only just dawned on me, Nile, that this weird situation that we're in in recording this episode reflects the weird episode mm. <laughs> I think we just watched. Yeah. Um, so let's kind of get into it then. Um, this is also my first time discussing Mando season three with you. Yeah, do you want to maybe just give us a, some quick thoughts about what you thought of the season so far? Yeah, um, it's interesting because I watched the first episode, and while I did enjoy it, I did have this sort of kind of feeling of: Is Mando still doing the same thing? Are we still, you know, doing fetch a quest thing? And it's like I need to get the droid to go to Mando. You know, you know, I need this part. <laughs> and I thought, okay, I, I don't know. I like, you know, I, I figured by this point maybe we would have a bit more growth uh which we did so like you know when we get to the second episode there were i was like because i was going into this season thinking well the whole season's him going to mandalore to be redeemed to bathe in the waters you know and by second episode we done that so i was a bit like okay let's let, let let's see where we go so it's been a really interesting season for me um in in some ways i I'm kind of enjoying it more than season two in in the sense of like they are trying new and different things and you know d- exploring the era of the world as well as these characters which I'm enjoying uh, but then there's something about this format and structure of this season that just seems very different from the previous two uh, and it just seems I don't want to say no direction because I think that we're definitely building to something here uh, I still think the themes from season one are still being discussed, but just in different ways. But yeah, it's been an interesting watch this this uh, season. I've been enjoying it, but it's I've had questions about it at certain points. Yeah, no, that kind of that reflects a lot a lot of what I've been thinking because I've I've enjoyed this season so far. There was only one episode that I didn't really like, but I think every, every Mando season has a, like one episode I don't like, and the mm. rest is all the scale. Which one was that one? That was the one with. Where the bird steals the boy. Oh, uh, uh, Dain- um, Dinosaur Island. Dinosaur uh, Island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was an, another unusual title for an episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I've enjoyed this one, but I've not felt it's gotten to. I've not had an episode that's on like the highest highs of this the show, show so yeah, far. Yeah. But I've not had any like really low ones. They've all been pretty consistent, I thought. And I loved the third episode. Is that the Coruscant the one? The Coruscant yeah, one. Yeah, I really like that as well. I thought it was a nice, surprising change of direction. And I suppose, like, so is this one. Yeah. But in that, it keeps our main characters, but puts them in, like, a very new situation for the show, which is nice. Because, you know, there is a formula it follows at times, mm. like these fetch quests. And this one kind of develops in a really weird way. But I we'll get into that. Yeah, we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah I've just... It's just a really interesting new way of telling the story, in a sense, because... The first two seasons were very simple but effective in what they were. Uh, and while this one, I think Favreau seems more interested this season in world building 
than character-driven stories, mm. which I don't think is a bad thing. I just think it's just a different way of doing things. But then we got just like one bottle episode that was like an entire like character journey from a different character, which is really I find really interesting as a decision to then go back to like what you were saying about the world building. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like a curious one-off. Yeah, I mean, and I know people had criticisms about this in the book of Boba Fett. Uh, but when we had that, you know, oh, now we're going to go see what's happening with Din and, yeah. and Grogu and Luke and all that sort of stuff, uh, which I totally get. You know, people have problems with it. I, as well, was a bit shocked by it. And It could have just said, like, meanwhile, in Star Wars, <laughs> yeah, they stick up on everyone. <laughs> um, but I think that was almost them kind of saying, this is what we're doing. You know, like, the show's called The Book of Boba Fett, but it's not just about Boba Fett. The show's called The Mandalorian, but it's not specifically about this Mandalorian, it's about a lot of other Mandalorians and the era that we're in, um, which I kind of like what they're doing because it almost seems like similar to the Bad Batch where I think the Bad Batch is like a tour of the galaxy um, at the time of the Republic changing into the Empire. It's not just about them, it's about the era. And I like what Favreau and Filoni are doing now with this era. It's just world build a bit more, fill out this new Republic sort of stuff. Which I have questions about. Uh, I, I do have some serious, uh, not concerns, but I have, I have some questions about how maybe they're handling the New Republic and stuff like that. About how the showrunners are handling it? Or do you mean, like, in-universe, how the New Republic are handling it? Um, in-universe. Okay. In-universe. Because yeah. I, I don't think the writers or the, the showrunners are... I don't think they're saying... See, the Re New Republic is just the same as the Empire. Yeah. I, I, d I don't think that's what they're, uh, they're trying to say. I think they're just layering it with all these different perspectives and themes mm. and going, this is where it could go wrong. This is where some of the failings are for what happens later on for the rise of the First Order. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, but at the same time, I think it's offering the New Republic in different perspectives, both negative and positive. And I actually think this episode, the one we're going to discuss, kind of portrays them there's still some criticisms about the new republic in this episode but i think it kind of portrays them a bit better in a better light than we did in the, the previous episodes because also I've, i haven't really thought about this but this show of course isn't long that long set after when the new republic was formed so yeah. to create like an entire new government to replace a fascist government that was around for what 40 years 30? Yeah, nearly 30 years, yeah. Yeah, it's like, well, I suppose it kind of makes sense that it's still this kind of shambling, flawed thing. I don't know, maybe I'm just being too forgiving for it. But oh, well, I, I think they're just kind of trying, they're finding their feet, you know? Yeah. Like, I really like the scene, I really liked last week's episode uh, with Carson Teva yeah. and all the New Republic stuff there. Like, that scene where he goes into the the clerk's office and mm. he meets oh what was his name uh, the actor's name is it, is it tim smith tim smith yeah, yeah he's, he meets him and i i think the new republic their heart is in the right place their intentions are good mm. but there's just so much work to do and i like i think you can even see it like i'm stacked man and he's yeah. like i i you know navarro i want to help navarro mm. but there is a list and these worlds get priority you know mm. i can get it they're trying but it's not all worth it. I, I d and I think it should be questioned, but I don't think it should be sort of looked at as like, oh, well then all governments are the same, and they, it's it's just the same as the empire. So I don't I don't yeah. vibe with that. Sort That's of a very like libertarian approach. Yeah, <laughs> which I don't think has ever worked in Star Wars. No, uh, fence sitting. 
it's not historically the theme. No, it's not. Yeah. It's Star Wars has always been very direct in, yeah. in its morals and, and and what it what is good and what is bad. So uh, mm. yeah, yeah. Let's get into it then. How was your? I, I want to actually ask, what was your viewing experience like? Because night before or day before so going to London for celebration and stuff like that. Because how have you been watching Mando this season? You've been watching it on your way to work, is that right? Yeah, I've been watching it on my way to work because I just can't. I'd prefer to watch it at home later on, but I just can't go the whole day wondering. I don't know what it is. I just, that always drives me crazy. It's like needing to pee all day. <laughs> and then Mando is my pee. Oh, God. Why did I say that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I've, so I've been watching it in the mornings, which is nice because I generally watch it as soon as it goes up that way. Because I'm on my train by eight, at the very least. So it's a really good way to wake up. Though I did have a particular heartbreak. Because yesterday when I woke up, I hadn't slept very well. And when I woke up to check Mando, I was like, oh, great. And I was like, but where's Bad Batch? They forgot to put the new oh. Bad Batch up. I was like, oh, yeah. It's finished. They, they, it finished. You and Dave recorded an episode on it. Why didn't my brain not know this? <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that's kind of my experience. And then it, the rest of the day, I get to kind of mellow in it. Mm. For good or bad, just knowing I've got a planned podcast as well, <laughs> generally. Yeah, well, this is a nice little holiday for me. I love this. Yeah, this is nice. Great. Yeah, yeah this one, um, my, my because I haven't been on the shows with you guys, I've been a bit more lenient with my watching in Mando, so I've been waiting for uh, my better half to come home from work, and then we'll watch in the evenings together sort of thing. Mm. Um, but m- the last few weeks, my focus has been on the Bad Batch, because that's the show I've been covering with Dave. Um, so it was interesting... Going into this one, I was like, okay, I need to get in the headspace of like, I'm going to talk about this show now. You know, it, it's it's a yeah. bit. It's rather than just watching it and letting mm. it all sink in. I was like, I need to ca- analyze it a bit more. Yeah. Uh, and what an episode to do it because it, it <laughs> was really. It's, I struggled with this episode at times. I won't lie. Um, and there was, I, I think, I took some of this baggage in with me watching the episode where, you know, there was I was I was prepping for celebration. I was packing stuff. You know, uh, Chloe, my other half, was coming in. She was doing stuff. You know, uh, we both had needed to find time, get ready, shower. And I was just kind of like, ah, oh, Star Wars is interrupting my Star Wars. <laughs> like, so it was, you know, I'm not complaining because I'm very uh, grateful. I'm very lucky to be attending mm. Celebration and be able to watch these shows. But <laughs> I just found it c- a, a funny, ironic thing. I was like, Star Wars, stopped interrupting my Star Wars. You know, like... That's what has been happening to me because any time recently I've been trying to watch Bad Batch, which I usually do at home, my girlfriend calls me in because she's stuck on a part of Jedi Fallen Order. I was like, I do not have time for Cal Kestis <laughs> right now. I'm with my boys. Yeah, I'm with my boys. She beat the game the other day, though, oh, which that's is great. Good. She's not a gamer, but she just got really into it. That's good. It's a great game. It's a really good game. I think it helped. Her ro- she found a robot really cute. I mean, everybody like yeah. BD1, is it? I think BD1, oh, yeah. BD1, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, what are your overall reactions of this episode and this wild, bizarre episode? I, <laughs> I actually like this episode a lot because i think there's genuinely good stuff in it but also the bad stuff in it things i considered like you know not good i still like it reaches like a, a level of star wars that i haven't had in a while which is just some like really like batshit element and then it's just wrapped around another thing mm-hmm. this is such a weird episode and as we there's the moment in it obviously that kind of breaks your brain a bit when you watch it in the morning which you know the guest stars mm-hmm, all the famous faces yeah the famous faces that we go into them i suppose while we're here yeah i mean yeah h- how did you feel about all these famous faces from jack black to lizzo to 
who else was in it? Uh, well, Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd, uh, Mark Hamill. Oh, Go, player voices the Ugnaught. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, oh, that's really. C- I did. I just learned that right there. Yeah, that's great. Um, well, I love Jack Black. So, I think we were talking about this earlier. We hear him before we see him. Yeah, and if you if you know Jack Black at all, you, he's pretty recognisable, which he is incredibly. Yeah, of course he is, and that the voice that he has as well. Yeah, yeah. and he does some little Jack Blackisms. Take a little sip, sip. You know, yeah. sip, sip. I just watched High Fidelity for the first time the other week. Oh, the sh- the show. Oh no, no, the, the movie. Oh, the the movie. Okay. Yeah, Jack Black. Uh, <laughs> seeing him in these two kind of back to back is so mad. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, but it's it's that kind of cameo though that I don't know if it works as so like an in universe character mm-hmm. in the sense when you see him, you do you just see Jack Black. Black, yeah, because he's such a known quantity. So yeah. That it was distracting, and that's why I said a lot, him being introduced with Lizzo. Who I like Lizzo. I have nothing against Lizzo, but also the last thing I expected when you see Jack Black is he's married to Lizzo. That is yeah, it's it's a bizarre one. It was a lot to take in in the morning. A lot of information I had to accept. But seeing the two of them together, like in those like outrageous costumes, which I don't have a problem with. I think they're you know fun Star Wars, whatever. I know some people don't like it, but some people hate everything, don't they? Yeah. But um, just seeing them together, I was like, this feels like an SNL sketch. Mm-hmm. This felt like a planet they'd visit in Star Trek through the eyes of an SNL writer. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. was, speaking of Star Trek, the beginning of this episode, which I, I'd forgotten about, you know, the um, the romantic hostage crisis? Oh, yeah. <laughs> which I'm going to call it. <laughs> with the Quarren and the Moncala. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The way that opens with that amazing, the Quarren woman in that water oh, tube the, on the, the bridge. Yeah. That looked so Star Trek. Especially when it goes down and turns with into a little the uh, fish chair. cocktail. Yeah, <laughs> that w- that scene was so cool. And Axe Wobes, that's his name. Axe Wobes, yeah. He was really doing it for me this episode. Just like a cool cat. He's a, he, he felt like almost James Bondy at times. Mm, he did have, a, have that swagger with him, you know. I was like, ooh, maybe this is the Mandalorian. <laughs> the man, he's, he's <laughs> I'm the training up. Well, no, he got beaten in the end. So yeah, well. Uh, we'll see. But yeah, I thought this episode does what I think Star Wars always does and what I think some fans struggle with because from that very first movie, A New Hope, I think there's this tension between the absurd and the sincere in Star Wars, you know, where there's a lot of deep philosophical themes and messages and stories, but there's weird crickets at the bar and, like, talking robots and weird floating fish dresses with big head. You know, it's just weird and absurd. And sometimes that can be a barrier for people. You know, like, this shouldn't work. You know, this Mm. it's too contrasting in a sense. But I think that's what kind of Star Wars has always done. Mm. Um, But there's different levels of that. And with this episode in particular, I was like, it's almost one step too much in the absurd. I, I almost felt the balance wasn't quite there. So that's right. I was like, well, what are we what are we doing here? What are we what are we actually doing here? So and because I was sort of kind of <laughs> stressed about packing and stuff like that, I maybe kind of took that energy into the episode. Mm. So I was a bit grumpy after the first watch. I was like, ah, I don't know. I don't I don't know. I don't know. Just like angrily folding your underpants looking at Jack Black. <laughs> well, <laughs> it wasn't so much anger. It was just kind of like just a bit confused of like mm. what I- what is this? Like what are we doing here? And I thought, right, I need to rewatch it again so I can write my notes and stuff like that. And upon a rewatch, I was like, okay, I, I see what they're trying to do here. It's still not may work for me on all 
cases, there is some elements where I thought, I okay, that doesn't quite work for me. Um, but I see what they're going for, and I respect them for it, I guess, um, in, in a bizarrely absurd way. Mm. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's just it felt for me like this was almost like the most George Lucas style of episode <laughs> of like if George Lucas was going to do an episode of Mandalorian, but I want to do the weirdest one possible. Yeah. You know, like his mentality going into the prequels and the Clone Wars. Because um, I also got the vibe that this episode was very much like like an early seasons Clone Wars episode, like yeah. one of those weird ones that George did where he'd have the Jedi fl- in these weird planets and stuff like that. What, mm. what Did you get that sort of same vibe from... Yeah, no, I I definitely agree. There's kind of a, you know, early Clone Wars did like world building that was really broad. Like when they go to like the Lemur planet, stuff like that. It felt almost like that, but in a way, I that actually kind of worked for me here more than the early Clone Wars. I think because it's like so silly visually in live action, it kind of crosses another bridge. Mm-hmm. If that was animated, that'd probably blend quite nicely. <laughs> but I think there's like a definite definite difference in medium. Um, yeah, really goofy, and I find this episode, my brain breaks it into segments. Okay. You know, like, or opening, like, the weird Star Trek segment, then the, the segment where they go to, it looked like, is it Epcot at Disneyland? It, yeah, it looked like, like Epcot, it yeah. Tomorrow. <laughs> it looked just like that, and I was like, okay, now this. And then it turns into, like, fake Blade Runner for a bit. It does, without the rain. But if you saw those three things, like, in an episode plan, it's like, how the hell do these connect? Is there anything going on here? But that's what I liked about it. It's a, it felt like a lot of episode. It was, yeah. It's a, it's a lot of episode. And I, and I felt as if it didn't necessarily move the plot so-called forward. Uh, and I know some people you know, take issue with that, you know. Mm. But I still think thematically it's talking about the same things. It's kind of using uh, Plasia 15 as a... Mandalore could be this, mm. you know, it's Bo-Katan and Din learning these things from these people, how their societies run of like, this could be you, mm. you know, this is this is an opportunity here to take what this is trying to say. Mm. Um, so that's how I, I kind of saw it in the big picture sense anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I love the detective uh, Attack of the Clones, noir, vibey type of thing, Blade Runner. Yeah. Yeah, that type of thing. Um, I wanted to, a- how did you feel about that? As you're a big Columbo fan. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, y- there isn't much of a mystery to it. And I, you know, yeah. it's it's completely linear. More aesthetic, yeah. Yeah, but, but it's, it's still very enjoyable, especially because it adds the, like a bad cop, good cop thing with Pokatan and Dinjaran, because he is, a, we all know, a massive droid racist. Uh, perfectly shown in this episode yeah. also comfortably at times i thought yeah i thought that i'd also there's times where i thought yeah you know i thought we w- i thought we dealt with this yeah. Uh, yeah but no apparently maybe he's fine with other droids but when it, when it comes to battle droids no w- <laughs> me and darren spoke about in the first episode the idea that din Jaren needed a droid and rather than just get anyone he's like well i knew one i liked i want that i want to rebuild him <laughs> I wonder if we're going to go back to that because you almost it, I, I feel as if that was like a Chekhov's gun. Mm. It's like, or are you just completely like, nope, he, he did it. <laughs> he doesn't need AG-11. <laughs> he's got Air 4. He's also a little traitor. So. Yeah, he is. But it's nice he's still employed, still yes, going around. So yeah, uh, well, let's get into like some of the, the bigger things uh, about this episode. Like... um. I thought like one of the biggest things about this season is that 
it's a season primarily focused on change. Like, how do you regroup? How do you rebuild after living <laughs> under oppression for so much? And I almost thought, like I said, kind of up top, how when it's looking at the New Republic, we've had almost a very critical eye on the New Republic in the, the last few episodes of Mando. But I thought this one was more like a win for the New Republic and a win for the Amnesty program. Mm -hmm. Like, as bizarre as he is, like the Jack Black character is the positive side of the amnesty mm. uh, program. You know, he's kind of like, yeah, I did bad things, but you know, I'm changing now, you know, and it's all is bizarre for Bulby, like Captain Bumbledore, you know. I almost wish though, um, just about the casting, because Jack Black is just so instantly likable, I find. Mm. I wish they found someone who was actually like less immediately warm to play this character. It took him a bit straight, so you could see like, someone you actually maybe wouldn't expect to change as much. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, higher to red yeah, stereotype. It is kind of hard to imagine yeah. Jack Black as an Imperial. He's like being told about the Death Star. He's like, all right, rock on. Uh, he would have nice. been like the nicest Imperial to work yeah. with. Everybody wants to get assigned to like Lieutenant Jack. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like squadron. And you just look at his list of war crimes like, oops. Oh, okay. <laughs> we misjudged that. <laughs> he just killed people while listening to rock music. <laughs> <laughs> he killed them with rock music. With rock music. <laughs> It's the devil's work. <laughs> well, Palpatine is the thing. Oh, yeah. But yeah, um, so yeah, I, I just think this episode is all about kind of like they're here to move forward, you know, after being under the oppression of the Empire and then we also hear under the so-called oppression of the Separatists mm. and all that sort of thing. And that's why when Christopher Lloyd came on, which when he first came on, I was like, Oh, yeah, he was cast in this. I completely forgot he was cast in this season. I think I've been complaining about it every episode. Oh, yeah, where's Christopher <laughs> Where Lloyd? Where is he? I Don't tell me you got him. Genuinely, I completely forgot he was in, in, in the show. And then when he saw I was like, light bulb kicked. Okay. And I actually thought, uh, Hellgate is yeah. hell name. How, how, would, how could he turn evil? How could Hellgate be a <laughs> With bad a name guy? like that, turn evil. Uh, how, could, how could war crime Hellgate... His full name. Yeah. <laughs> How could he turn evil? It's just, I just thought his kind of perspective was the main driving force of this episode in a sense of like, like he wants to block progress, you mm -hmm. know, <laughs> like, and uh, split society, you know, the droid should be in this section and human mm -hmm. should be in that section. And then, and I see this in real life. We were even maybe talking about it on the ride up here that sometimes you complain so much about your, s the so-called problems in your world that you end up maybe creating the problems yourself to prove a point. Mm. You're like, well, what are you, are you actually seeing the problems or do you think there's a problem and you're just, you know, you know, pushing that onto other people and mm. your own ideologies? Like, what do you make of like Hellgate's like arc in here? I mean, what he's talking about, you know, there's um, reliance on droids and all these sorts of thing and that, w what do you make of all this? It's a, well, it's a bit rich coming from a separatist, isn't it? <laughs> For one. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. I, I hadn't looked at it that way, personally. Um, but, yeah, that's an interesting one. Well, because, you know, when at the end, when he's like, Count Dooku, you know, yeah. he was a visionary and stuff like that. I just think, like, he's... <laughs> I want to know what, what, do, what does he find visionary about Count Dooku? Well, th this is what I mean. Like, I think... Count Dooku, well, we know Count Dooku's got away with his voice, mm. primarily because Christopher Lee played him, yeah. so then he's got a, a marvellous voice, so you're going to use that to effect. Uh, but we've heard with other stories, and what we've seen in Tales of the Jedi and stuff, and Bad Batch, how Count Dooku 
manipulated the people of Serrano and the mm. separatists into joining this war. You know, it was obviously part of Palpatine's plan, but he still had to coerce these people mm. and believe whatever he thought was his version of an idealized society in a way. Mm. You know, Hellgate calls him a visionary. Like, I'm sure certain uh, some people in the 40s called a certain Austrian general for the German army a uh, visionary, mm. you know, and we see it now with, cer with certain other political leaders, people calling them visionaries or saviors or anything like that, and you're like, I think that's a bit questionable. Are you just being lied to and you're just falling for this sucker, you know? Mm. I go back to kind of to Frank Herbert's uh, themes within the Dune series, mm. which you know I love, and any chance I can bring up Dune on the oh Star yeah. Wars podcast I'd like to do, which is don't trust your leaders, mm. you know, e especially if they're charismatic, <laughs> especially if they're giving really arousing speeches and making you feel good. Trust, Distrust them the most because they're manipulating your emotions. Because what was his whole political deal? It was just kind of like to Brexit the galaxy, wasn't it? The separatists. I guess so. Yeah. Well, they wanted to... They wanted, like, to leave well, yeah, the they Republic. Wanted, they wanted to leave the Republic. It is. Yeah. You know what, Niall? I kind of never thought about <laughs> it. But it, it He's is a Brexiteer. It is a Brexiteer. Yeah. That's, that's really strange. But, yeah, <laughs> they were like, we want to be our own independent systems. Yeah. <laughs> I and why did the Republic not want them to do that? Yeah. It's, that's a strange thing, isn't it? Could they have voted out? Or is it just you can't leave ever? Yeah. Once you're in, you can't leave. That's a bit scary. I'd become a Brexiteer if that was like the actual thing. I mean, I mean, this is getting a bit too real world, but I think uh, after what happened over here, the EU wanted to like put a law like no other country can do this again. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I was like, oh dear. <laughs> we'd we'd become the outer rim. We'd be just a lawless place. <laughs> we are the outer <laughs> the outer rim of Europe. <laughs> Scum and villainy. Scum and and villainy. we all voted for them. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Yeah. Uh oh. Well, Hellgate voted for Dooku. Well, I, can, I can tell you that. <laughs> and he, you know, he's principled. He stuck f stood by it. He is. He is. So how? Because I'm not. I get a bit confused in time. How young? What age around would he be then? So let me have a look. So if Christopher Lee must be like almost ninety, if not, I think he's pretty old. Anyway. He's pretty old. Yeah. So I mean, what are you talking about, Christopher Lloyd? Or just like the character he plays? If we imagine he's the same age, what age would he have been when Count Dooku was a politician? Oh well, I'm thinking. How old is Christopher Lloyd now? Is late eighties? Let's say eighty five. Let's, let's say eighty five. Um, Mando is roughly about five years after Return of the Jedi, so 80 at, at the point of the overthrow of the Empire. And then 25, 30 years between th that and the Clone Wars, so he would have been about 50. Oh, still like, no spring chicken, but... <laughs> still a baby boomer. Yeah, yeah. You know, still yeah, in that generation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was baby boomers. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um... I just found it really interesting, like his perspective of like, you know, we, I'm, w I'm still like, because he's a separatist, and it feels like the galaxy hasn't really even had the chance to recover from the Clone Wars because they were immediately thrust into mm. an imperial oppression. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And now they're recovering from that as well as the Clone Wars instead. I, I just find it really fascinating. I suppose if you went through all that, you would probably be like, yeah, maybe Count Dooku. Had the right idea because the other way did not work out. Well, he said, "I believe in democracy." <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, this place seems so nice. I don't know what his problem was. Yeah, that's that, that's <laughs> what. But these are like sort of skewed visions, isn't it? It's yeah. Like when, when you get too warped in your own mind, you're like, ah, 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 you know. 
Yeah. It's just kind of, I just kind of got the vibe of old man yells at cloud. Yeah. You know, and it's just this constant blocking of change, progress. Um, and because uh, we see it in real life, you, yeah. know, you know, every time, whether it's something socially that's new or technological, you will have the previous generation being like, ah, see, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> the society's going downhill because yeah. of this and we're all relying on this. And, you know, I think the, qu- I don't think this quest, this episode is saying um, either or like mm. technology is great. Technology is bad. I think it's giving you both perspectives and saying, what do you think about it? Think about humans' tech relationship with technology, mm. and in this case, like droids and robots and stuff like that. Um, what did you make of that sort of stuff? Do you think like this episode is directly saying certain p- statements, or do you think it's just offering questions? I think it's making, s- it's trying to make a statement, but I think it's there's maybe a bit of confusion. Well, one for one thing, he's like a, a tech guy, so for him to be like, there's too much technology. Is like, he's a security guy. Yeah, but I suppose he's he's reprogrammed these droids, but yeah. he's done something. So you know he's pretty pretty sharp about it. But also then just the way the characters, our main characters, treat droids in this. Yeah, then like kicking them. It's as like they yeah, as they're just trying to load up the ship. Like and then uh, the droid barkeeper is even just like, we just love serving people. Yeah, that that's their function, you know. Yeah, yeah. and so and people treat them like crap. <laughs> So is is it then like Christopher Lloyd hates technology, but they learn technology is actually good and likes us? It's kind of a, it's a strange episode. It is a strange episode because well, I think, I think the themes are there about the relationship with technology, but it's kind of different because we don't have the same type of technology in the sense of like robots or yeah. droids or that. You just have Roombas. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Roombas. They've got personalities, yeah. I guess. Um, so maybe you could then take a different stand in as it's just talking about community and don't be a bigot, you know, mm. <laughs> in a sense. As I think maybe rather than just thinking about the technology side of it, it's just like just accept people even if they're different. You know, yeah. that's that's what I kind of liked about Plasia 15, this whole place. a really bizarre, weird place to look at. Mm. But it's almost like this idealized utopia, mm. you know. And again, I, I personally struggle with the concept of the utopia because I'm like, well, that's, that's not a thing. It's mm. you know, But it's something that we should always be strived towards. Never quite achievable, but it's always something that we should strive towards, which is why I kind of liked what they were saying with this. Like mm. with like a reflection of what Mandalore could be. In a yeah. Sense. Very, uh, <laughs> I bring up Star Trek again, but it really, hey, it really feels like a planet to go to in like the first season of The Next Generation. It's like, we're the planet of peace and love kind of thing it was very much yeah love everything's love and then the episode that same episode in tng with the exact same premise it turns out that if you break a single law you just get executed yep yep yep. (laughs) yeah i was like oh that's why again you know i'll bring up as you bring up uh, star trek i'll bring up frank herbert again oh there we go i I was uh, reading one of um a book called the maker of dune which is like a a book with that's been just got compiled full of like his essays and letters and stuff like that um and he was he was kind of talking about okay y- y- you can build a utopia, but you can't build a utopia without compromise and cost. Mm. So, what do you lo- you have to lose something to gain that utopia? Mm. And he, what he says most of the time it's a sense of freedom. Yeah, because you know everybody's going to behave the same way if this is going to work. Mm. That that doesn't work for humans. <laughs> we can't all behave the same way. It's funny because this episode it feels like they almost it's almost like a red herring, Jack Black. It almost feels like you want to. F- from the setup, you're like, well, this can all be good. 
he must be up yeah, to something. Well, you 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 kind of think when when they say, "Oh, they they've been manufactured uh, malfunction and all that." I yeah. I kind of thought at the beginning, "Oh, is he maybe the red herring yeah. sort of thing?" But then when Hellgate comes on the scene, I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> I mean, as soon as he starts giving his monologue about droid reliance, I was like, "Yeah, he's the, he's the guy." <laughs> also, I I love seeing him here. I think he's great. Oh, he's great. Yeah. We, They've got the people who made the show have to lose some points for being like we're going to cast Christopher Lloyd. And then for weeks, like me and guests yeah. will be talking about who he'll play and be like, "Oh, he's a mad scientist." He's a mad. Well, uh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, when you put it like they that, they went for the lowest th- hanging fruit. That's that's fair enough. But I think for me, it worked. The Christopher Lloyd uh, famous face, and I don't want to call him a cameo because he's a character and he's, he's a character actor. You know, he's, yeah, yeah. he's more than a cameo. And even Jack yeah. Black and Lizzo, they are they're characters in this episode. They're not a cameo. Mm. Uh, Zeb. Was a cameo. Yeah. And th- that just pops in for one scene and then leaves. Dave mm. Filoni with his cowboy hat in the background. Oh, you, yeah. You, did you see that as well? Uh, yeah. In the <laughs> that's my favorite kind of cameo, just background. Just background stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's the original background Star Wars weirdos. Yeah. But these are actual characters. But where I struggled with Jack Black and Lizzo compared to Christopher Lloyd. I never thought these sentences would be said I on know. a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> on a Star Wars podcast. <laughs> Is that they, they pretty much, uh, it's a small thing, but they pretty much go ahead and s- sell, give us his name pretty quickly, Hellgate and what he does and stuff mm. like that. So I was more quickly into like, okay, Christopher Lloyd's, oh, Christopher Lloyd, this is his character. You mm. know, this is Hellgate. While <laughs> with Jack Black, they took a while before they even mentioned his name. Mm. So by that point, I was kind of like, it's Jack Black, you know, and then I didn't know who Lizzo was. Um, my other half said, oh, that's Lizzo. She explained who she was, famous rapper. And then because they didn't say her name, the Duchess, whatever, it, soon enough for me, mm. they just prolonged, had a couple of scenes with them. I was like, you're Space Lizzo. You know? <laughs> so it, 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 there's just some, there's some weird mm. thing there you know, about trying to think of them as this character. But if there's not enough setup for who this yeah. character is, it's kind of al- I've already cemented that that's Jack Black. You know, yeah. And then it's hard to go back to think of them as the character they're playing. It'd be like, you know, when like the original Star Wars came out, if it suddenly in a canteen it just Bob Dylan was there. <laughs> <laughs> Jolly Cat. <laughs> and then like a few minutes in he was like, Oh, my name's Cab Destus or something. It's like, no, it's too late. You are Bob Dylan. <laughs> You've just been Bob Dylan in this movie for five <laughs> minutes. Yeah, exactly. You can't you can't all of a sudden it's like that old guy, uh, guy in Endor. He's like, You're now Rex. He's like, yeah. No. <laughs> that's that's uh, Nick Sant. <laughs> well, how terrible it'd be if that guy, he wasn't a clone, but he just looked enough like one. People were like, oh, hey, he's one of those clones. <laughs> he's one of them clones. <laughs> <laughs> Still around, huh? <laughs> Leave me alone. I'm not a clone. <laughs> Do I look from New Zealand? <laughs> oh, the irritation of being related to Django Fett. Just such passing. Yeah. Uh, poor Boba. Uh, yeah, can, you, can you also imagine, like, Kenobi, like, just seeing that face every day during the clone? Like, he had serious issues with Django. Like, <laughs> I know. And Mace Windu chopped his head off. <laughs> oh, is that a sort of bad that's start a, to the Clone Wars? That's actually, um, if I can find this, I might get this at Celebration. There's an action figure. Li- it was uh, like a, an early sort of uh, one of Mace Windu vintage collection. Mm. Um, it doesn't have it in the current one, but in the older one, as an accessory, it had Django Fett's head. Oh, my God. <laughs> so if I can find that, I'd like to buy that. Bring me the head of Django Fett. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so um, o- other stuff. Um, that was, I found this episode. So, yeah, Hellgate was, like, the, the main thing for me. Another one I thought was, um, you know, how should you organize society? 
I mm. thought this was kind of talking about that, you know, like I said, moving forward, trapped in the shadow of the Clone Wars and the Empire. Um, but at the same time, I, it, it was weird because they were like, we've had our first purely uh, democratic elections recently mm. in our history. But they also have to abide by certain New Republic like guidelines, like they can't have a military. Yeah. Well, what did you think about, what do you actually make of the whole demilitarization of the New Republic? Uh, it's one of those annoying things, isn't it? Because it's like, if, imagine how great it would be in real life if suddenly you just said, we're demilitarizing everything. It's like, mm, well, then what happens when people have major disagreements? Where does it balloon from there? So mm. I like the theory of demilitarization, but I think Mon Mothma, it makes sense for a character after Andor. I think that actually helps mm. for her to be so vehemently anti-war. Yeah. Like Especially when you have that kid. To do now. Oh, that kid. <laughs> kid, you run a like <laughs> a, a tank to land on her <laughs> rotten child oh well she's in a cult now yeah she is she's getting married do you think we're gonna have uh, to see a wedding next season oh oh in a cult wedding a cult wedding your child's cult oh, well, wedding. well we might get one with the mandos who knows <laughs> <laughs> yeah beat them to it feloni <laughs> oh yeah but i like the idea of it but i i understand why a lot of people struggle with it i know there's always like a bit of contention with kind of the world building between Jedi and Force Awakens. Mm -hmm, yeah. A lot of people feel, say it feels like the status quo. And the kind of explanation is that the New Republic never militarized enough. Mm -hmm. They stayed, I guess, rebel levels. Yeah, well, I, I think like they obviously, like wait, it showed from the last episode that they have some form of patrol force. Yeah. So it looks like they do have some form of like, military but you know but it not like a standing army in a, in a sense do you know what i mean it's the, on, the only it's like if we got rid of all the cops in the world you know, that'd be nice but um and but the only cops left were traffic cops who just went driving around i guess so yeah <laughs> i'd be, be that'd be like the equivalent i think yeah. carson team is just a traffic cop you know yeah well, that's why i like him this guy oh, I, lo I love him. i think he's a great character honestly. Yeah. um so yeah i i just think like this episode is kind of offering you just like giving you and also because of the type of episode, it was a bit more weirder and going, doing different places. It kind of offered mm. you the space to ask these questions in a sense of like, yeah. you think about this, about your own society. Um, but then, uh, yeah, something that I actually pulled out from this is that is automating our lives a good thing or a bad thing, though, when it, when it, when it comes to the droids thing? Because, you know, it's they say, you know... Uh, Without a military, all the resources goes to growth and people, mm. you know? And then even Hellgate in his little angry monologue, uh, now they just focus on the arts and, <laughs> you know, and uh, building a better democracy. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's a Brexit too. And, that and sounds about right. And um, my own, you know, biased view is like, what's wrong with that? Like, and I just kind of think this is what it's kind of trying to say. Why are we all slaving away 40-hour weeks, mm. you know, all to do what exactly mm. why are we not s focusing on things that we enjoy doing mm. you know um so i think it's offering that as a possible utopian type of thing mm. and i think on paper it really works mm. but i don't think it's as easy as it can just happen because yeah how, how do you how do you do that like that's why i think this is this episode is kind of showing us like we should strive towards this it's not meant not necessarily achievable but it's something to strive towards i did see um a minor, I don't know if we call it controversy with this episode, is that they called that thing at the start the Hyperloop. Oh, yeah. And people are like, oh, is this just like sucking up to Elon Musk? Because that's like 
something he's worked on, this hi- real life thing, the Hyperloop. Oh, Some is kind it? of tunnel system. I mean, that it just looks like any other sci-fi yeah. like transport tube system. Like, But I thought it was interesting because obviously that's like a, a lot of conversation in our world now is with like Tesla's self-driving cars, mm. which is, I would argue, that's technology gone too far. Yeah, I would agree. Well, but maybe I'm old-fashioned. Maybe that is like... That will be the future. I might be wrong. I'm just going to say it now. But um, Well, we'll be the old men yelling at clouds. So. Yeah, but at the moment, it's like, how can that work? I don't know if I trust any computer enough. But, you know, Star Wars. I think maybe to push this theme a bit further, they would have had to make the characters more like the Wally humanity. Yeah. A bit more over the top with what they use. Like, a little droid brings Jack Black a glass, even. You mm. know, just, like, push it a bit further. Because it just looked like a normal Star Wars world to me. Yeah, well, it, I think that's kind of the point. They were, I think this whole planet was kind of like, this is diversity. This is di- uh, the the the. <laughs> this is diversity, you know? Yeah. Droids, humans, all different kinds of aliens. We're all just here to... Like, like Jack Black says, we're having a party. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I, I, I understand you hate diversity so much, Jake. You couldn't even say the word. Woke, man. Yeah, it's all woke nonsense. <laughs> all woke nonsense. Why are we talking about this? End of episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just found that... That's really cool stuff. And do you think this is like a dream world or do you think it's maybe achievable in some sense or differences? Can we not put our energy and time into things we directly enjoy instead? Mm, I suppose like... Build a better society? Yeah, it is like so... I I understand slightly now thinking like this city is like a dome city in the middle of like nature. Mm Mm-hmm. Is this uh, is so? It is so urbanized and industrial, and it's kind of trapped in a bubble. Mm. You kind of understand the sense of like being choked by their technology. You need this tunnel to even get in. What if that breaks down? <laughs> Can you get yeah, out of that place? True. But uh, then you see like all this unused natural world around. Like we see the Mandalorians are at, at the end for the end fight. So maybe that is what it's saying. But maybe just a bit more time spent establishing that because that is like an afterthought to me. So I mm. don't know. Yeah, I, that's I think this episode's qu- saying quite a lot of things, mm. but it maybe struggled to fit it all cohesively. It, I mean, it, it does feel like very. <laughs> maybe we're just used to it now. Like you say, like the old man, like kids are on their phones too much nowadays. Spend more time outside climbing trees. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it comes across that way. Maybe just like it's such a message everyone gets. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um. And I think one of the other last uh, sort of bigger things about this episode was that, like I said, it's kind of like this community is trying to reflect itself on Mandalore community, how how that's going to work. And I just thought that, you know, uh, helping each other and building community, you know, because mm. Bo-Katan says at the end, we're, we're all stronger together. Mm. Um, and I just like the seeing the different perspectives of culture because uh, I brought it up on our trip, you know, that the Axe Woves, um, he's kind of trying to make the idea of being a mercenary honorable mm. in a sense, which you know, I think his sort of ethics or morals or ideology of what it is, what does it mean to be a Mandalorian? Cause I think overall that's the main big question mm. from season one t- to now, what is it to be a Mandalorian? Uh, and in his view, it's okay. I'm doing this. How do I make this honorable? Cause to be a Mandalorian is to be honorable. Mm. And then he goes and spits in Din's face and says, you don't even have any Mandalorian blood in you. Um, so I just like seeing the different perspectives, but it, I just found it really interesting that we're getting all sorts of different Mando races <laughs> going on. <laughs> like, you know, like Din, w- Din would be like, well, I don't think you're Mandalorian cause you've got your helmet off, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's just like, it's a true Scotsman fallacy, isn't it? 
well, a true Scotsman wouldn't do that. Wouldn't do that, know? yeah. <laughs> Is your blood really Scottish? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Drink that iron brew. <laughs> <laughs> that is this blood. <laughs> no, no, sorry, oh. I, I didn't mean that's oh. offensive to any Scottish people. <laughs> uh, anyway, save me that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to. Um, so, what do you think, Jake? Because um, I wanted to talk about this as well. It's just like this episode's approach to how people treat droids. Yeah, I found this very interesting. Yeah, I do have some. Oh, sorry, am I? No, 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 no. That's all right. Um, I was just trying to save you from being beaten up by the Scottish. Yeah, I just <laughs> I I like what they did with the droids in the end because at the same time I think what it fell on is that the droids this was a place for all droids to be redeemed in the sense mm. this is a place for droids to be given a second chance, and unfortunately you have people like Hellgate that's totally against that. Mm. Um, but then I actually w- when you have somebody. Or something in this case of a droid from that culture saying, "It is in our very culture to mm. serve." You know, yeah. I don't think that is a bad thing. They enjoy serving. You know, I don't. Th- I don't think C three PO is any happier than when he's organizing parties for either Padme or the um, the Organas. You know, mm. you know, in Obi Wan Kenobi, when we see him in the back of that party, I'm sure he's he's uh, having the time of his life. Because that's what he likes doing. And I kind of thought that was also reflected in the Ugnaughts, because we get to spend a little time with them and stuff like that. Mm. And when Din says, you know, you're you're the hardest workers in all the galaxy, and they're all like, yeah. (laughs) You know, it seems to me that that's what they like doing. The Empire has manipulated that and (laughs) taken them for slaves and stuff like that. But at their core, they do like working. And I think it's the same with the droids. They do like servicing humans, because that is their base function. That is what they are there to do in a sense and they enjoy doing it but it w- the problem is is when you have certain people that don't look at them as sentiment uh sentiment uh sentient uh beings i suppose that even if they like what they're doing do they have a choice because i think maybe that's what separates it mm. i don't know what this like it's different because is it even ethical to reprogram a battle droid what to if it is to, like to, a to sentient to mind to sell yeah. it like well you can't do this anymore yeah. the thing you were built to do yeah well, in, well, a, in a robot world yeah, is I mean, that unethical I know it's I don't think if it's I don't think it's being as literal as droids necessarily mm. because I think it kind of goes back to season one of Mando with um, the monologue by Queel when mm. he when he uh, reprograms IG Eleven mm. you know. Um, and he kind of says that the droid is not necessarily bad. It's whoever programmed him or whatever those programmers were mm. is the evil intention. Um, so I kind of think of it as like it's not literally about droids. It's about you, humans. Mm. We can change. We can grow. We can evolve. You know, uh, reprogramming is just the sci-fi fantasy version of saying that in, in a mm. sense, you know. But I think that's at its root of what it's trying to say with this, with the droid thing is that we can change our basis functions can evolve, you know? That's where I see it anyway. There's a lot to think about. This is one of those droids and cloning. Those are the two things in Star Wars I get so caught up thinking about the ethics behind them in a real-life context. Yeah, I never really... as As my career in Star Wars has gone on, I've thought more about the ethics of droids, but prior to that, I never really thought about it, you know, because they were 
kind of just there. You know, the droids, and, I, and you almost, and they were kind of different to other sci- sci-fi like robots because mm. they were more sentient. They were more characters, while other, you know, Blade Runner, well, Blade Runner's a bit different, but like other sci-fi stuff, it was more like they can do your leader, you know, yeah. more robot-y in mm. a sense. Um, so I never really kind of viewed the droids as robots. It was more like they're just another set of characters in a sense, you know. It is weird that. But then uh, it, go, but it goes back to that first movie of um, Wu Hair. Hey, get yeah. there! You know they're not welcome here. Yeah, you know. But and now they got their own bars. It, it disturbs me so much when I think that I think it was Return of the Jedi with the torture chamber introduces the idea that droids feel pain. Yep, which uh, <laughs> is just horrifying. And your favorite pervert droid. Also, like, there's some droids who uh, get off on that pain. Yeah, <laughs> some robots feel arousal. Like Star Wars is a is a freaky place. It's man. a freaky place. And it's asking all this about the droids. Uh, I did like that, the droid bar. It, it was cool. It was cool. I like seeing the row call of all the droids. It was like, hey, that one, that one, that one. Yeah. It's so messed up, though, that the Mando and, you know, Bo-Katan take, you know, they just play cops. Then they go into this bar. And bad good cop, bad cop, and yeah. F- and, like, threaten the bartender with torture that we've established. He will feel pain. He will feel pain. And th- I did find, I've got it in, like, one of my favorite um, comedy moments, but... um the blue droid trying to leave. <laughs> the blue, <laughs> nobody move. <laughs> and he just scurries back to where he was sitting. <laughs> I could have done. There was like a little reference, wasn't there? It was like, oh, they don't, they don't like our kind here. I think one of the characters says, and I was like, oh, a bit on the nose. It's because it's like the inverse of. Oh yeah, they said. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't think. I, he, I think he says, I don't think they get a lot of our kind here. Yeah, I was like a bit too cute. Yeah, like, we don't want them here. Yeah. <laughs> It would have been funny if the droid just went, get out. <laughs> <laughs> You're not welcome here. Um, but yeah, the droid, the droid stuff is um, really interesting. I think they, I think Lucasfilm and Star Wars in general have been putting a bit more focus on the droid stuff. Mm. I think it was like L3 that kind of maybe sparked that in a sense. Mm. You know, I know some people have problems with that character, but that kind of was like the big spark. Of like, hey, droids, they have feelings too. Yeah. <laughs> And now we're soulless, trapped in the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> Dear. <laughs> I mean, they had to make it work somehow. Yeah, I know. Um, what else did I put here? That I re- I l- the Ugnot culture, I really liked. Um, I wanted. To, I think I asked you. Do you think it's a it's an Ugnot thing that I have spoken, or do you think they were like, oh, you know, Qu- oh, you know, Quill. Oh yeah, Quill. He was a great guy. You know, or do you <laughs> they, they might have been doing like a bit of both. And I almost wish rather than the Queel reference at all, he just used the eye of spoken. Yeah. So you know, like, oh yeah, he remembers obviously as pal Queel. Yeah, he, no, he did say he No, he said it as well, but he said oh, yeah, okay. he said he like he knew Queel as well. I thought maybe that's just a bit much. But you know, it's because then it leads to the question is is he just saying it's like, oh all Ugnaughts know each other? <laughs> He's making kind of the assumption. It's like when people ask you, Oh, I oh you're from Ireland. Do you know this person who's also Irish? The difference <laughs> is when you're from Ireland, you usually do. No, oh, yeah, I can. <laughs> pro- uh, Gibraltar as well. It, yeah, <laughs> you know everyone. <laughs> my dentist I went to the other day. He's Irish, and he was asking me about people. I was like, "Oh my god, why do we all kind of know, know each other? Oh, uh, are we all family? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Um, we all are. Um, what else? Um, were we discussing? We just got sidetracked. We were there. talking about the Ugnots. Oh yeah, Ugnots knowing it, each other and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, I just kind of. I just I like the relationship we've got going on between Din and Bo because they kind of help each other with their weaknesses and strengths. Yeah. You know, like 
she didn't outright say this, but I got a sense of judgment from Bo-Katan about the Ugnaughts. <laughs> you know? uh, and Din was just like, you just got to, there's a certain way you got to speak yeah. to them to understand. And then vice versa, when he's like, <laughs> kick the droids and, you know, threaten all the droids, she's like, easy. Like, <laughs> you know, calm down. There's other like ways of doing this. Almost <laughs> uncharacteristically aggressive. In a Mandalorian, he was. Yeah. Like, he was. He he's normally Clint Eastwood. He doesn't cause trouble unless someone else causes no. trouble. This is like, look at that droid. Yeah, Espe- like I said, especially the kicking. You know, when he's waving yeah. the hand, e- the B one says, "Just leave them alone." Yeah, like <laughs> <laughs> he's going down to the docks and hassling a worker. <laughs> you got a, you got a Besker. <laughs> what, did, what did you actually um, make of the uh, the return of the of the battle droids, and especially the B one with the very famous or infamous uh, voice, depending <laughs> on your point of view. Um, I, I don't know. There's something like... Th- I struggled with the Battle Droids when Clone Wars was coming out. Mm. wasn't my favorite thing, like the, the, the humor side yeah. of it. And, and, and even, actually, it started in Revenge of the Sith, I think, that mm. type of... You're hey, welcome. Yeah, all that sort. <laughs> and I was a bit like, I, wha- what are you doing here, George? You know, I... I but then over time and over rewatching the Clone Wars, I, I get what, what they're there for, the comedy purpose. And, and I, I like them now. I like the battle droids. So it's just really nice to see a battle droid pop up in live action and you know be voiced by Matthew Wood as well. Yeah, I've, I've always liked battle droids. I don't know why. I think it's just when I was young, when Phantom Menace was coming out, I just loved robots so much when I was young. Mm-hmm. I still do. So I've never actually had a problem with them. So uh, yeah, at times they're almost so like jokey in Clone Wars, you're like, who programmed you? I know I'm going back on my ethics, but I was like, why, why would you make a machine of war just so, like, goofy? I'm not poking holes in stones, because that's, like, <laughs> an endless job. But, um, but yeah, no, I've never had a problem with them. I was actually happier to see the return of the super battle droids. Oh, yeah. I love Doing them. a Terminator yeah, <laughs> run yeah. as well? Doing a run. Because uh, you just, I don't know if it's true, but I feel like you see less of them generally. Yeah, Star yeah, Wars yeah. media, and I, I got such a kick when they were in season one, just for that flashback of Din Djarin almost getting murdered. Well, his parents got murdered by them. They so. did, yeah. But you know, you can't blame all of well them. Well, which is why, like, I I did have some issues with Din, in the sense of like, I thought you were over this, but then I thought, okay, you know, battle droids in particular, if he sees one of those, <laughs> there's still some trauma there he needs to deal with, you know. Yeah, I oh, know it's a lot for him, but I do. I did like this like weird little street chase with a super yeah. battle droid. See one of them run? Yeah, it's really weird because I don't think we've ever seen one of them run before, no. have we? So, you know, he was scared of getting in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> it did kind of remind me of like Blade Runner. It's very Blade Runner. You know, Runner. androids on the run. And him shooting it in the back on the street. Oh, no, it was Bo Katan. That was Bo Katan, yeah. yeah. But it's a very weird turn for the episode. <laughs> it's another. Yeah, it, it, it's just, yeah, it's, it's fun. <laughs> I, 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 I just go back to. 2019, before the show had even started in that celebration, when John Favreau was like, "Yeah, you know, I'm not huge on the prequels, but Dave Filoni, he's he's, he's warming them up to me." You know, mm. fast forward to now, where you're like, "This is all prequels, baby." Is <laughs> 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 is I just find that an interesting progression. Yeah, it is interesting. I, I wonder because like the the first season yeah. was so original trilogy. You know, mm. I wonder what how his thoughts have changed. If you were to ask him, like, has he been, re- has he rewatched them a lot throughout the creation of the show? I bet you, I would suspect he has, especially if you're working closely with Filoni, who loves those. It would be very awkward to work next to him and, and hate like half of the Star Wars <laughs> films. <Yeah. laughs> 
what would you talk about? What would I you don't know. Yeah, so, uh, so you worked on Avatar: The Last Airbender. Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah, that's cool. Good. And uh, King of the Hill. Uh, did he? Yeah, Dave. Fil- I was one of Dave Filoni's first jobs. Oh, like, that's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, Star Wars: King of the Hill. <laughs> People on this planet having a beer by their fence. Uh, what this Plaza of Fifteen? It would be the place you're gonna yeah, get yeah. it. <laughs> it's it's the, the Texas of space. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not. No, it's the Epcot of space. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the Texas of space. So, uh, yeah, last sort of big thing I want to talk about is um, that I thought this uh, episode was also saying, uh, what does it take to be a leader? Is it strength, wisdom, will of the people, tradition, or a laser sword? Mm. You know, I think it's throwing all these things at you um, with woves, Bo-Katan, and Din. Even though Din's, Din's being a leader, but a different kind of leader, you know, he's more like uh, in the background. But when I have something to say, I'll say it, which I really appreciate. Unless there's a super battle droid talking. Well, then, then he'll just yeah, destroy yeah. it. Um, but I liked what his speech in mm. a couple of episodes back, you know, with the talking hammer. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. What do you think it's saying about leadership here? Do you think Bo-Katan can be a good leader? Well, and what do you make of this whole uh, clerical error <laughs> about the ownership of the Darksaber? <laughs> well, technically... Yeah. You should have said that. Yeah, well, technically. Well, according to the novelization. But <laughs> it's it's weird because Bo-Katan has, does not have a good history to me of making great leadership decisions. No. So I am, I'm wondering, is this going to be a cautionary tale or is this going to be played completely straight? As Bo-Katan became the great hero or is it actually going to point out the flaws of this system? Because mm-hmm. this whole Darksaber thing, I am getting a little tired of the Darksaber. Hearing about this progression system, I'm like, we need we need to move on. He says you can only have so much Darksaber. <laughs> but um, it's curious because I find it really hard to say because I've been having this problem a lot this season of just wondering what it is trying to say with these cults and these traditions. And I, I can only really know what it's thinking when it concludes. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's I'm I'm struggling with that in a way I'm interested, but there's like obviously one way that could go where I think is actually a quite bad message, mm-hmm. and one I could go like, oh great, you know that's a good uh, tale of folly or something. Yeah, no, no, I totally see what you mean, and I, and I'm with you. I think all of us need to be patient and just wait till the story's kind of fully finished before we make any like rash judgments or assumptions yeah. about the intentions of like these certain cults and stuff like mm. that. There's evidence that you can make theories. But I think we should maybe just hang on before we go, that's bad, that's good, and stuff like that. And I think that's the whole point of this show, I think. I think this, like I said, it's all about change. It's all about how do you evolve, how do you grow, um, and all the complications that come from that. Because mm. change is not easy, mm. you know, and, and, that, and that's why I think it's addressing that. I don't think it's saying anything is good or bad. It's just like, this is how things were done before. Why can't we question that? You know, the idea of tradition. Mm. Uh, and with this, yeah, I'm getting kind of sick of this Darksaber thing as well mm. because it's, it's oh, for me, since the end of season two, it's just been like this huge elephant in the room yeah. for me. Where I'm just like, can we just resolve this? Mm. How are we going to resolve this? And conceptually, I like how they resolved it. Execution-wise, it just, don't know. I just wanted maybe something a bit more dramatic yeah. A bit more of a conflict maybe between Bo-Katan and Din. doesn't have to be a fist fight conflict. Mm. Some sort of confrontation, some sort of discussion about d- 
the de- the dark saber and the ownership of it and the claim mm. and who claims it and stuff like that. Um, at the same time, I'm also like, great, that's out the way. Let's let's go now. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, we've we've got to move on from the dark saber, folks. Yeah. I hope Mark Hamill shows up, tosses it over his shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> he did that one too many times for some people it's been long enough now the fans demand demand it, it again do it again mark do it again uh and then the last note to tie into this is that with bo's journey i really like this thing of the mythic versus the reality mm. you know bo is gonna ride in there on a mythosaur mythosaur wheel sean connery sure 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 wielding the dark saber but also has to <laughs> get political support <laughs> from the surrounding planet. You know, mm. I just like that contrast and that mythic versus the reality. That's kind of what Star Wars has always played into. Mm. Um, like, w- And then th- this is a question I'll ask you, because this is where we're sort of going towards, in my opinion. What is a warrior culture without a war? Mm. Because if, if, if that's the trajectory we're going to, from what I gather from Bo-Katan's, you know, bringing yeah. us all together, um, Din's speech of like, why don't we come out of the dark? Why don't we? Why don't we have children running around in the light? You know, yeah. and stuff like that. Why don't we just chill? How does that go completely against their culture? I want to know, like, are any of these Mandalorian col- colonies? Are any of them going to be like, oh, we've taken our fo- philosophy from Satine? We're pacifists. You know, we don't even wear the arm. I'm waiting for that name drop. Well, because <laughs> this whole show, they've never shown that side, which was set up so much in an entire animated series. Mm-hmm. Seems like, oh, they're really focusing on, like, the guys who really like fighting. Well, especially when you have her sister, yeah. who was in direct contradiction to her pacifist ways, you know? Yeah. like it's, it's just, I just feel like that, that there's a, an angle there that they could be exploring, I think. Mm. I don't know. It'd be good to just have like a, c- a genuine, like complete contrast of ideals that are still in the culture, so they can't do the "Oh, you're not a real Mandalorian crap." Like, "Oh, your blood's wrong." Yeah, yeah. I'd really appreciate that. I think that's a whole avenue that they haven't really touched. Mm-hmm. It's a shame. Yeah, I just th- I think there's more to explore there. And what's up with the armor? I don't trust her. No, there's don't nothing good going on. Nothing good going on there. Under that helmet, Emily Swallow. Yeah. Mm. Tell us what you're thinking, Emily. Yeah. Come nothing celebration. good. Nothing good. Give us spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to some like, like fast, uh, fun little things uh, before we come out here, uh, Niall. So, um, what have I got here? So, like, canon and lore connections. I really liked uh, that we... <laughs> the frog lady returns. <laughs> the speed... Well, the species, anyway. Uh, that was good to see. Come back. I know you have your issues with that episode. Now I'm going to reveal my racism. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, it's nice to see, like, okay, they're using that, you know, for other things yeah. and stuff. They still got that prop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then <laughs> I wrote here, is this where all the aliens in Andor are hanging out? Because <laughs> there's just so many aliens in this sh- in that banquet scene. I was like, this is where all <laughs> the aliens went from Andor. They were done on set. Tony Gilroy was a Furious. Furious. <laughs> so, all right, if I can't get aliens, I'll get every character actor in Britain. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, we talked about the droid roll call. Um, my favorite, though, is <laughs> the montage of all the malfunctioning droids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then the chef droid becoming a murderer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just that would be a shocking video footage. I'm glad That's they what I mean, because even you know, Bo-Katan's facial expression is like... Uh, mm. 
<laughs> I don't want to see this. Um, so that's quite that's kind of funny. Um, and then uh, the Nepenthe, you know the oh yes, the, yes. The, the, the alcoholic beverage for the droids. Yeah. Um, so I was I was doing some digging. Uh, so it's new to Star Wars. It's not been in Star Wars before. However, it's a classic in Greek mythology. Oh, it is uh, a drink that cures sorrow. Oh. Uh, so when I saw that, I was like, "Oh, that's really sad that that's <laughs> what they're drinking." <laughs> like they're also. <laughs> so that's what petrol tastes like. Well, it cures oh, your sorrow. It cures my sorrow. Well, <laughs> put an end to a lot of things. <laughs> <coughs> so um. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have much else uh, to say about this episode, really. There's a lot of weird, bizarre places. Um, again, last thing, I th- uh, Doug Chang, mm. I think he would have had a great time designing this episode. <laughs> like, again, it's just so much prequel vibe, like, designs. Like, yeah. even uh, Lizzo's <laughs> outfit with the weird floating space flower thing. Was it a hologram? I was trying to... A hologram, flower, fish. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but it, it's weird and cool i guess yeah i need to ask you a question go ahead it's been it was gnawing at me all the way through the episode when i watched it but i've been feeling like this season i don't know if grogu has done enough to justify him being back yet i don't think he's had much like a a lot of episodes now he's just left outside of it Mm -hmm. i'm like oh maybe yeah i think this should have just not had you the only episode we really had a spotlight on him was the foundling yeah. And even then, it was more on the other foundling than Grogu. Yeah, and his was just a flashback. He had no, like, current moment yeah. importance to the story. Yeah, it's... I don't know. I don't, it's it's a hard one. Um, it, it feels like they kind of... Because they want I Bo-Katan much more. I, like I, I feel as if I maybe need to wait till the end of the season f- to kind of fully answer that, if you know what I mean. Because there's... As of right now, I could probably agree with you because I'm not necessarily... I'm seeing things they're doing with Grogu, mm. but I'm not seeing where it's going to. Mm. Uh, but I'm willing to wait till the end of the season where it all goes... <whistles> you're like, okay, I remember that scene or that moment and stuff like that. And it, you know. Sorry, Jake. I just, I've just got a letter from my lawyer. He says I have to call him Sir Grogu now. So, Sir I'm Grogu. I'm going to be sued. I mean... I'll give you that night. I don't think he deserved to be knighted. He didn't deserve a knight. I mean, I mean to be fair, he, he got, cheated at he a got game. knighted because he cheated at I a know. game. This like says a lot about the monarchy, I think. <laughs> <laughs> We're in London. We can be very they more are, political they now. Are royally, they are royalty and elected officials. <laughs> <laughs> One of them's an ex-Nazi. What a surprise. What a surprise. One of them was a singer. Yeah, <laughs> good for her. Good for her, yeah. Imagine you... Oh, is there like a Eurovision in Star Wars? I think then well, there would be. Oh, I want to see Primac this. would be the with yeah, the chicken yeah. and the pots on. <laughs> <laughs> Bring back size noodles. Size noodles. Oh, does she blow up? <laughs> that was beautiful. <laughs> That'll be our theme song this week. <laughs> For this week, <laughs> we get minus a hundred listeners. Minus. <laughs> Lose listeners instead of gain them. <laughs> All right then. Uh, so let's get out of here then. Now we've had a had a blast in a very strange environment recording this episode of Mando. Yeah, um, we, want, we want to see if Rob's about. Yeah, let's go find Rob and annoy the hell out of him. Yeah, um, he's uh, be dressing up in Jedi robes, Star Wars celebration. Oh, tonight? Well, no, not tonight. <laughs> <laughs> at celebration. Oh, d- I just hope that's how he dresses around town. No, well, he might do. Who knows? So uh, anyway, so um, yeah, no. Where where can the people? Uh, 
find and follow you. They can obviously find you at Star Wars Celebration, they but can. they'll be listening to this after Celebration. So if you want to hunt me down, yeah, that's, where, that's where I'll be <laughs> at this particular time with this coordinate. But um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Niall the Glen. Uh, we poked a little a little fun at Elon this week, so maybe I'll be banned. Who knows? Who knows? He's got a thin skin. Um, <laughs> and yeah, you can find all my other stuff on Niall Glynn. I'm reviewing stuff for Game I'm working on some stuff at the moment. So yeah, keep keep an eye and ear out. Yeah, as, as all the kids say these days. <laughs> the very cool sayings <laughs> I've got. Break, break a hip. <laughs> Wait, break, break a, a hip. Break, in, break a leg. Break, oh, no, break a hip. Oh, great. Are you actually willing, wishing somebody? Oh, no, that's good. No, I'm just threatening you. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, you can also find me if you want to hunt me down in London <laughs> during the, the weekend uh, at for Star Wars Celebration. But you can also find me online at Sweaty Jake and also on Letterboxd at the same handle. Uh, our mutual co-host, uh, David Osger, you can find him at D. Osger? D. Osger. D. Yeah. Osger, that's it, yeah. And as for the show, The Monday Lorians, you can also find us on Twitter at The Monday Lorians. And you know, our DMs are open. Shoot us a message, like our tweets, share them, retweet them, ask questions, get involved as much as you can. It'll all help us keep expanding the family of the Monday Lorians. And whether you use Anchor, Spotify, Apple, Google, whatever, if you have a site to subscribe and follow, please give us give us one of those. It all helps us go up in the rankings. So, Niall, what should we end this episode on then? Uh, ooh. Come May a little sip sip. May, may the Star Wars celebration be with you. This is the celebration. This is the celebration. <laughs> this is the way. This is the way. <laughs>